Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Got it. Boston wins. Two legends in basketball analysis with over 70 years combined experience. This is the Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman podcast. NBA, some college, a little bit of everything. You know, what can I say? But it wasn't going to happen here with him. I was okay with it because it wasn't about talent, I didn't think. All right, let's get right to it. Welcome to a special edition of the Bob Ryan, Jeff Goodman, Gary Tang. We're along for the ride. Zoom and podcast. We are here to celebrate the life and career of Bill Russell, who passed away at the age of 88 years old. Uh, personally, for me, I will just say that, in my opinion, he is the greatest winner of all time. Uh, and I did have a brief interaction with with Mr. Russell later in life. I had a chance to interview him a couple of times. And the thing that he always conveyed to me that he was wanted to be known as a man uh, as opposed to just an athlete. And I think that that says all you need to know about the, if you, if you were looking for one just yeah. one sentence to, to 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 sum him up. That would be it. That's all I have to say. Now let's go to uh, Bob Ryan and Bob. Of course, when did you start covering the Celtics, and when did you first meet meet Russ? I met Bill Russell after his playing career ended, when he was coach of the Seattle SuperSonics. My first year on the beat was sixty nine seventy, the year after Bill Russell retired, along with Sam Jones. And when he became coach of the Sonics and during the course of my travels, I, I encountered Bill Russell and found him to be a, a friendly and charming and formative uh, and engaging, compa- uh, not companion, I shouldn't say, but uh, interview subject. And I got to know him later on a little better when he was a broadcaster. And, and as those days in the 80s uh, is when I would in, interact a little more uh, in various places with Bill Russell. Never to consider myself a friend, we can get into this, but how Bill Russell defined friendship, but I was in the circle of acquaintances where, with whom he was compatible. And it was, a, it was a very nice place to be. There are two ways to look at Bill Russell. Let's start with the, the off the field first. Bill Russell is a great American. He was given the Congressional Medal of Freedom by, by, by President Obama, and, and he deserved that and long before Barack Obama became president of the United States because he's one of the great Americans of the 20th and 21st century. Um, way above his athletic prowess, right. uh, Bill Russell was a civil rights advocate and, and a, an advocate for human dignity and freedom. And I, the, the line that I would, rec- were I privileged to put the coda on his tombstone, I would put the quote that Bill Russell used frequently, which is, my citizenship is not a gift, it is a birthright. And by that he meant, I do not need to have my privileges conferred to me by white America. I don't need that. I don't need that. I shouldn't have to have that. Because when I was born in America, in, in, in Monroe, Louisiana, in 1934 or five, whatever it was, I was an American. And that's the way it should be. Well, you know, we all know the reality. 
but that's the way he thought. Well, and just to, your, your colleague, Gary Washburn, I thought had a great quote in the article he wrote tonight. He said, um, Bill, quote, didn't give America a break for being slow to accept and embrace diversity and civil rights. <laughs> and I thought that was very appropriate. It, and, well, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it dovetails with what you're saying. Exactly. No, I, 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 I yield to any personally friendly black American, which Gary is for me or anybody that I don't know and, 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 and giving them the right to comment on Bill Russell in his place in American society and how he acted uh, before I do. I'm speaking as a elderly white American who happened to have his acquaintance at times and who has observed the arc of his career. So, so thank you, Gary. I, I, I think that does augment what I just said and that Bill Russell was in control of his life. Yes. And he, I, I think he backhanded racism. He, t- he, 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 sub- he was subjected to it. He was hurt and harmed and, 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 and infuriated by it. But in the end, hey, screw you. <laughs> you know, that's Bill Russell. And, and he prevailed in his mind. And he died, I think, I, I would like to think, peacefully in terms of the fact that he did everything he could to show the world you know, this, this is this other, this not wishes of thing is nonsense, you know, and it's stupid. And, and it, it isn't going to change me from being who I am. That was Bill Russell. That's the Bill Russell, the, 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 the American citizen, the great American and, and the proud black American. Well, when I had a chance to interview him, that's when he returned to Boston and they had, uh, they retired his number. Uh, and it was really to help his daughter's cause, um, his daughter was working with Big Brother, Big Sister, and I think yeah, he did right. that to, to give her the publicity. He did it for her. Uh, yeah. He certainly didn't need it. And that's yeah. when it was a who's who at the garden. Uh, uh, you know, Wilt was there. I mean, everybody was there. And I interviewed yeah. him. And, and he also said at the end, he said, I am my father's son. Yes. Which to me, you know, he just wanted to be he was more than a basketball player. Oh. And he want, and, and he did not want to be known as just a basketball player. You know, he was a proud man. Without question, that was, you know, his, end, his career ended in 1969 when he was 35 going on 36 or whatever, 36. Right. And so that was uh, 52 years ago, uh, 53 years ago. So uh, because the last game was May 5th, 1969. So he lived a, a complete life afterward and he lived it in permanent and total dignity and, and, and assurance, assurance, and uh, ASS, and the way he wanted to live it. He lived his, he was in charge of his life as, in a way that few people are, black or white, frankly. Well, and, and just to, you know, to go, to give people an idea if they don't, if they're not aware of the history books, when he and Red started together, Red, a Jewish American, uh, Russ, an African-American, both victimized by anti-Semitism and racism, would go into a ho- would go into St. Louis, Kansas City, wherever. And and they had to and the, the hotels were segregated. And Red, I mean, you know, this better than me, but, you know, Red would say, no, we're all staying together. This isn't happening. Right. This, these are the types of things that that he experienced. And then, of course, you know, victimized by vandalism in his home. Worse, you know, here in Boston, worse than anything he encountered in, in segregated or semi-segregated America, was what he encountered in Reading, Massachusetts. 
when when someone broke into his house and smeared feces on his wall. Yeah. And this is the world he inherited. He came into in Boston when he became a rookie here in 1956 in December, when he returned from the Melbourne Olympics with a gold medal around his neck, having won two championships in San Francisco and a gold medal in Melbourne. And now was the prize rookie of the Boston Celtics. And he encountered a Boston that was very different. I, I, I hope to God that we can say that Boston is today. And sure. uh, uh, he encountered racism. There's no question. And, yeah. and yet, um, unlike some of his confreres who yielded a little more, you know, Russell just, just hit it head on. Right. Hit it head on. And uh, he, he, he was, he was, Charlie, he, he always spoke about his father, Charlie. Yeah. And, and now remember, here's Bill Russell's background. He's, he was born in segregationist Monroe, Louisiana uh, in 19, well, he's 88. So, Whatever the year it was, I'm sorry. I'm, the, the math in my head is fuzzy. That's okay. He's 88 when he died. He was born in segregationist Monroe, Louisiana. His father was part of the Great Migration. And in the Great Migration, in his case, was to uh, Oakland rather than the Midwest. There's many stories, uh, a, a history in books and great novels and stories about the Great Migration. His father was part of it and he was part of it. So he grew up from age eight on in Oakland and encountered whatever amount of racism was California would provide, but was certainly somewhat less stinging than what would have been available in Monroe, Louisiana. All right. But he, he, he adapted, you know, he, 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 it wasn't going to defeat him. It was never going to defeat him. It was going, never, it was never, it was going to, he was going to give it the backhand and, 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 and his, I, I love that phrase, of, of that description of his, which is citizenship is not my gift. It's a birthright. And by right. the way, white America was not going to define the gift, any, any privileges they were going to give me. I already had them. I don't, need the, I don't need whitey to tell me that I could do this or that, whether it was go to a lunch counter or, or vote or anything. That was Bill Russell's credo from forever. And, and, and he, he applied that to his daily life for the rest of his life, you know. And, and um, now to talk about Bill Russell, the player. Yes. Um, the greatest winner of all time. You just mentioned two NCAA championships at the University of San Francisco, gold medal, and 11 NBA, 11 championships. NBA championships. I mean, in, in 13 years, one of which, and during one of which he was hurt. I will, you know, in 58. Right. I will give the Sixers an out in 68. Billy Cunningham was hurt. And did not play. And they were, he was a very important component of the 68 Sixers through the Celtics beat coming down from three to one. So if you want to offset them, I'm not going to fight that. But we do know documented that he competed for 16 championships from 1955 until 69, two NCAAs, one Olympics, 13 NCAA, and his teams won 14. And, we, and he was the primary player on each of those 14 teams. That's an unmatched legacy of winning in North American sport history. I know I hear about Richard, Ami Richard, and medals and all that. All right, but, he doesn't, but it doesn't, it's not 14. It's 11, I think. So anyway, it, it, he, he's, and so if I'm wrong about, and I'll exaggerate, the fact is he was a documented great winner, the greatest in American, North American sport history to win games. And the other one is, and I love this one, and I'm proud of coming up with, I don't see, I came up with this one. And which is 
that in 21 winner-take-all games, which means every NCAA game, because, you know, every NCAA game is win or lose. Right. Every medal round game in the Olympics, because you can get to the medal round having lost the game. But, of course, 56, they didn't lose any games. But every medal round game and every NCAA best of five or best of seven. 21 times Bill Russell's teams faced elimination. And 21 times they won. Yeah. And so um, I submit confidently that's an unmatched legacy in American and North American sports history. Well, let's talk about how he did it because they did not keep track of the block shot. I believe. Right. No, not what. So what Tommy Heinsohn used to tell me often when he talked about Russell's game is, you know, Russ, (laughs) Russ may have two or three blocks in one possession, you know, or to start the fast break, Russ knew where to tap the ball. Correct. Right? Yes. So there you go. Now that that would start the legendary Celtics fast break. So he was a defensive mastermind in that. And I always look, when I saw the tapes, I mean, look, what did I know? I, I God, I was born in 64. I just feel that Bill Russell could have scored more points if he wanted to, but he knew that wasn't the way to win the game. You are correct. Now let's back up. There were occasional block shots before Bill Russell. Bill Russell made it an art form. Bill Bill Russell showed the world what the effect of of block shots could be. And unlike many of the modern youngsters who are showing off and knocking it into the 10th row and therefore giving another possession to the team that he has just blocked, Bill Russell often, I won't say every time because that's not true, but more often than not, and more often than anybody today would even consider, kept the ball in play after blocking it. Tom Heinsohn used to tell me, he called it, he would pop it somehow, you know, and, and then retrieve it and then start the fast break. Right. That was the goal. His goal was not to show off that I can block a shot. It was to turn it into a positive for the team, period. And he did that. And now this is where you know, the Twitter world goes crazy. The youngsters go crazy. They don't know. They don't get it. The, I, 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 I know they don't, and I understand they can't. They can, I never saw Bill Russell. They don't understand. There's nobody today with that facility, with that mentality and facility combined. Nobody. So you may have a block shot. 90% of block shots today went up out of bounds, period. And that may or may not help the possession because the team may get the ball back and score anyway. Bill Russell did not do that as a rule. He tried to keep the ball in play. He was intelligent enough, agile enough, athletically incredibly advanced enough to manipulate that block shot into a positive asset for the fast break and not just a thing to knock out of bounds to show you, oh, boy, I blocked the shot. I know what I just said is going to be rejected by, the, by so many because they don't get it. You know why? because he was so regenerous. There's never been another Bill Russell. There have been a lot of wonderful big center. He, he was ahead of his time athletically, as he told me and others, he, he could touch the, he could kick the rim, kick the rim. Oh yeah. And he was a quick jumper. There was two kinds of jumpers, gatherers, you know, or quick taper offers. He was a, the a ultimate, uh, the quick taper offer without gathering. Will was a gatherer. He always a quick taper offer, but didn't get that high, but he was a quick taper offer. Larry. Larry was a quick taper offer. Right. Wilt, among others, was not. 
anyway, Russell was. And it was an extraordinary, uh, ahead of his time athleticism. But Russell, high jump 6'9", with no technique, you know, in college. It was, I mean, it, it's just, anyway. But he so was a genius was in knowing the game. That's the thing. He was a genius when in, oh. he really understood the game. And he was a smart man. My first year on the beat was 69-70, year after he and Sam Jones retired. The Celtics are floundering at 500 team middle of the season. And John Havlicek said to me, we miss him more in offense and defense, by the way. And it, his, they ran the offense around his passing. Right. They had a thing called the six play. Guess what? Uh, what was Bill Russell's number? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ask anybody who was there. The six play. And, and it had a variety of options. But it started because the ball went to Bill Russell. And he went from there. Now, you, you made an excellent point that I must uh, amplify about the how he could have scored. I urge you and anybody that I am proud to say that the Boston Globe, as we speak, has reprinted online the story that I was able to do uh, with Bill Russell in 1999 on the occasion of that ceremony that you alluded to at the Boston Garden, where we finally got around to honoring Bill Russell properly. And I did the, the preview story, sitting with Bill Russell at the Capitol Grill in Providence, Rhode Island for three and a half hours, and him telling me every goddamn good story. And he was, he gave me his A plus game. And what he was talking about was, yeah, I could have scored more. And, and I, I could have scored more and tried to score 20 points a game. That would have disrupted the flow and continuity of our offense. No question. And that wasn't my, that wasn't my job. If I had to do that and with a lesser team, I, now he's acknowledging he was with a very good team that, that, and he was, and that was able to, uh, to, to take care of those other matters. But if he if it came down to they got to throw the ball to Bill more often to score, he could have scored. He had an excellent hook shot. Yes. He had, he had excellent inside moves, a little turnaround jumper, but he didn't have to do that. That wasn't his raison d'etre. That's why the most points he ever scored a season was 18. And I guess his career totals around 15, 16. But that wasn't his job. You know, what people today don't under, they look at the numbers. They, they, yeah, they never look at the numbers. And I understand that's why we, you need to be able to explain to them what the deal was, with, what, what the life was. But yeah, but John said we miss some more in offensive defense. Right. That mm-hmm. opened my eyes at the time. Let me tell you, you know, so yes. Well, I've always found it frustrating when people say that he was a defensive, you know, he was a defensive specialist and they allude to the fact because he wasn't good on offense. That was not the case. I mean, I can watch a million black and whites. I, well, I, I don't have to watch a million black and whites. I can watch two, three highlights, and I can I know that this guy could have scored whenever he wanted to. He was a twenty points a game scorer in second. He's, yeah, I mean, but he could. It, it would have been. It wasn't even an issue. He could. But have it scored. comes down to the fact that Bill Russell's object was winning the game. There's no and, doubt. And no one could figure out no how doubt. to. How about he and Wilt to talk about that? He yeah. and Wilt and and Wilt could never get the. And Wilt won one title, right? Against him. Yes. And he won one in L.A. after Russ retired. Right. Um, when when they first met, Wilt was a high school kid at Kutcher's Country Club as a bellhop, uh, playing in those night games at Kutcher's, which is all you did in those days because there was nowhere else to play summer basketball. And Russell was at the peak of his career. And so that's where they first met. And then Wilt enters the league in 1959 as the phenomenon. And Russell's already entrenched three years into the league. And uh, immediately a rivalry ensues naturally because they were the by far the two best centers and and first they were buddy they were friendly and it are legendary stories about 
Russell had dining at Wilt's house in Philly before a Philly game and vice versa, Russ dining up here. And they, they stayed as frenemies for most of the 60s. And then when Wilt went to LA in 69, okay, it, it changed. Uh, and in famous seventh game in 1969 in the forum, when Wilt got hurt a little bit, came out of the game and Mel Counts came in and started hitting some shots and Butch Bredikoff, who detested Wilt, <laughs> uh, wouldn't put him back in the game. And Wilt claims he wanted to go back in and, 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 and Bredikoff wouldn't put him in. And of course the Celtics won that game by, you know, and with the famous Nelson jump shot up and under. All right. Oh yeah. After and, the and game. The, the balloons and the rafters. The balloons and the rafters, the balloon game. Russ went off a little far and, 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 and I don't know, it was not that night, but at some point in the aftermath implied that he would have never come out of the game. Right. And, and, and indicted Wilt for coming out. And Wilt obviously didn't take well to that. And their relationship got frosty for X number of years. I do not know when they resumed, but I do know this. When Wilt died in 1999, uh, at age 63, prematurely, frankly, uh, Russell, about a month later, had came to practice, came to Boston, came to practice. At, and I went and I was there and I talked to him and he told me that he and Russ had, uh, he and Will had reconciled and were basically speaking. I thought, I, I don't, I don't not remember he said once a week or once a month, but they were in, in, in contact. And I said, let me ask you something. Did you two think you were part, two members of an exclusive club? And he said, yes, that, yes, I do. And, and, that was his respect and honor, you know, to put Will on that level with him, you know. And and if you look at what he once said, and it's in that story that I am alluding to, that I urge people to look at online on the Boston Globe from now on, it's out there right now. Um, he said, when I, we first encountered each other, he said he was uh, X points taller, four inches taller, X pounds heavier. He said, but I got to show up. That was And we all know that Russ neutralized Will as much as anyone ever did. Right. And, and had, you know, did he have superior teammates more and large, far and large? Yeah. And he won those championships, but the psychology, he played Will psychologically in a way that no one else did. No one else did. Trust me. Well, well, um, in one of the TV shows that you're not a fan of winning time, <laughs> uh, Jason Clark, who played Jerry West, tells the story to Magic how Julius was working him over. And he said, you know, Russell used to invite Wilt over to dinner all the time and, you know, and alluding to the fact that he would butter him up. I don't know if he did or he didn't. I think in the early 60s, like if you go from 61 to 66, I think you're right. The Celtics had the better team. You know, there's no question. You know, if you... I mean, Wilt seemed to get a better roster around him with the Lakers, with Goodrich and West. And, you know, with Baylor, that was in the late 60s, right? Late 60s, yeah, early 60s, 70s. Yeah, it was 68, 69. But yeah, so that's when Russ was 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 going out. Russell's so, last year. We didn't know what it was. It turned out to be his last year. Right. Um, the, the Sixers roster in 66, 67, when they beat the Celtics in five, was a great roster. Okay. No, period. No, no question about it. So that, that team... Uh, we give Will full credit. Will average 24 points, 24 rebounds, eight assists. He, he, he altered his game. There's, there's no question about it. Um, but overall, one of the things that Russ would do overall, 
uh, and I believe this, this is part of the mythology. You can either believe it or not believe it. Fine. Okay, fine. That there were nights in the routine regular season games back in the, in, in the day, whether Wilt was in Philly or San Francisco or back in Philly with the 76ers, where Russ would let Wilt go around and maraud, you know, the first two, three periods. Uh, no, no, excuse me. Russ would dominate the first right. three periods. Yeah. Then with the Celtics, with the game in hand, would let Wilt accumulate stats in the fourth quarter. Okay. Fuck it. I don't care. I'll let him go and let him get the numbers. We're winning. That's it. Yeah, now, cares? you can take that or, or reject it. I, I, I think that was, it's a, I think that's perfectly fitting with Russell's mental and emotional you know, capability. That, okay, but- that, not every night, naturally, but many nights, which sure. helps account for Wilt's vast statistical superiority right. in, in the rivalry. You know, well, uh, he, he averaged far more points, almost twice as many. Not as many, not twice as many rebounds, but definitely twice as many points. But that wasn't, as we already talked to about, alluded to, wasn't Russell's role. No, it was all about the rings. But it was the greatest picture ever, which we've seen everywhere, is Russ with all the rings, the oh, God, fingers, yeah. 11 rings. I mean, you can't, it's everywhere, and it's one of the best. But I want to talk, also, when we get back to what Russ did is, as far as... Um, lifting off as far as dealing with racism yeah. and being, being a champion. Um, he, when he became the first African-American coach in any sport. Well, right. I, At 60, I, I mean, for I, two years, he was a player I, coach. John McLeod was actually hired by, of all people, George Steinbrenner in the American basketball league in 1961. John McLeod coached the Cleveland Pipers and the ill-fated ABL formed by Abe Saperstein and the guy that hired him for the Cleveland Pipers was George Steinbrenner. Wow. So John McLeod was the first, but that was a, a league that lasted a year and a half. And, and you know, but it, you know, it was a challenge to the NBA that failed. But Russell became the first, you know, existing prominent major sports league, black coach. NFL, Major League Baseball. So that, 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 yeah. But I want to make sure that we set the record straight, you know, about for John McLeod, who's okay. a pioneer in basketball history. And give George Steinbrenner credit, frankly, one of the, but, but when Red hired Russ, it was the first time one of the major sports leagues right. of any kind had hired a black person. And Red, Red didn't even didn't hesitate. You know, it was, it, it, uh, it, it, it was a very obvious thing and a logical thing. And, um, you know, Russ, in the first year out, they don't win. And then they wins too. And Russ was the coach. I mean, it wasn't, a, it wasn't like Red was pulling the strings. Trust me on that. No, 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 no. It was Russell's team, and Russell ran that those teams. Did he have to coach that? T- I mean, obviously you had a presence, but they had been together, and there was sort of a Celtic way. Um, so well, we, he had a good veteran team, and, right. and they, they weren't good enough in '67, but they were in '68. And as I said, I'll give Philly credit for Cunningham being hurt. But you know, you got veterans. Havlicek's coming into his prime. He's got he's got Satch. He's got Nelly. He's got he's got Sam. He's got KC. No, he doesn't have KC. He's yes. got Siggy. Um, you know, he's got some players. And uh, um, and he's got himself. He's still playing. He's still himself. And uh, let me tell you something. In 1969, after they finished fourth in the East, in the, in the four-team four Eastern Conference, and the champion team was Baltimore Bullets, who had a great season. Right. And, and they went up and they beat the 76ers. Uh, who, who, and, and that was okay. Then they beat the Knicks to an added 
to push her and, and, and had to push her and Reed and, oh, yeah. and, and, and Bradley and Barnett. And he outplayed Brad, uh, to push, uh, Reed. He outplayed him. He's 36 years old. He outplayed Reed to beat him to get there. That wasn't expected. That, that was, I mean, remember this team finished fourth. They were in 48 games and, um, and then they get to the finals and the Lakers were the super team with West Baylor and Wilt. Although they hadn't had enough games together during the regular season due to injury to both Baylor and Wilt, but now they're there. And, and this is the super team. And, um, you know, the Celtics win first game. Jerry goes off for 53 <laughs> and it gets 41. And they're down. by the way, it's supposed to be on the first team ever come back from Oh, two. They, were, they lost the first two in LA and then they came back and went for the next five and including the famous fourth game when Sam hit that jump shot that rolled around the rim and, yeah. and, and, um, uh, and then they won game seven in the balloon game. Uh, let's go ahead to an event I believe you were at, which was the first or the official retirement of his number. Yes. Right. From what I understand. Yes. Now, when I had the opportunity to interview Bill <clears throat> prior to the 99 event that we talked about, yeah. I said, well, what happened in 72? And he said, Red was after me. Red was after me. You got to retire your number, retire your number. And, and Russ just said, look, we'll come in the morning. Just yeah. come, we'll do something, just the team. So you were there, right? Yes. The only people that were there was, he was in town to broadcast. 74, as I recall. Oh, 74, I'm sorry. That's okay. Right. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But I, as I recall, and he was, he was in town to broadcast, which is the occasion to get him in town. And the only people who were there were the garden crew and the media. Right. And they hoisted it. And, and Dick Rayfield, the late Dick Rayfield, the great uh, photographer, had a picture. And, and Dick and I did a book on the Celtics later on. And he promised me that picture, which he guarded like it was, you know, you can imagine, like the, like, like, like the Gordian knot. He guarded it. He said it was going to be in the book and it was, he didn't put it in the book. I, he took it to his grave. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, I was there. And it was, it was like before a Celtic game with no fanfare, nothing. It was, that was, it Why was, do you think that was Bob? Why do you think you wanted it that way? That's trying to get inside the head of a complicated man. He had made that an issue, uh, whether it was about Boston and the way he still felt about Boston by that time in 74 it couldn't have been against the Celtics per se. No, well, see, I always wonder if it had something to do with that. We understand that the, ch- the challenges he had dealing with racism in the city. I mean, we've talked yeah. about that and, and we, could, we certainly could sympathize with what that man had to deal with. There's no doubt about it. But I always wondered if it was, Bill Russell was such a team oriented guy, mm. you know, to him, anything less than a ring was just kind of foolish. That's what I thought. He, the, the two things he did resisted, of course, were the uh, the Hall of Fame itself, which which he thought was was racist at that point. Sure. You know, he later accepted his, his induction, but that, but this is different. You know, the Celtics themselves, God knows, could not be accused of treating him anything but as royalty. Now, well, guess what? He took it to his grave. Yeah, we'll never know. I just always we'll thought of him as a but team I was, guy. And like individual accolades weren't his thing. I was privileged to be there. Um, yes, I That's was. pretty cool, though. That That's pretty... Okay. Now, the, now I, I want to wrap this up, or the next stage of his life is he was... 
you know, he was a very smart man and he knew how to hold an audience when he chose to. He yep. really could, boy. And I'll tell you, that AT&T commercial, the bell system, remember when he took the hook shot? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right now, I when I asked him about that, he said he made it on the first take. <laughs> I won't argue. No, me neither. I won't argue. And that laugh of his, his laugh during the broadcast became like his signature. Because that's what I fell in love. You know, 75, I'm 11 years old. 74 <laughs> is the like the first Celtic team I remember, really remember is 74. And then, you know, he's doing all the games. You know, Mendy Rudolph, <laughs> Pat Summerall, Musburger, <laughs> uh, Russ. And that laugh during the game was just infectious. He was really, when he chose to be, he could really be a showman. You could not ask for a more charming person to spend an evening with than Bill Russell when he wanted to turn on that charm. Yeah. No, you couldn't. And I, I was witness and, and privileged subject to that more than ever, more than once, but certainly that night in Providence in 1999 when yeah. I, was, I did that interview, three and a half hours, closing up the Capitol Grill and that cackle, cackling. Oh, no. He, he, but it was all up to him if he's going to turn on that charm or not. Yeah. But, but it was there. It was there. Okay, we'll get back to Bob in a minute. But first, I have to tell you that our partners at Bet Online are the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Get the latest odds, news, and sports developments, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's National Football League futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and, of course, your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started, so head to the website today or use the mobile device to sign up, your mobile device to sign up. Uh, the promo code is CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Now back to Bob Ryan on Bill Russell. Um, um, yeah, he and Red, right? Yeah. We need to cover that because, oh. you know, when they talk about Belichick and Brady, uh, and we all know how that ended, uh, but <clears throat> Russell and Red, just a special, special relationship. Red, well, I once was unbelievably privileged to do an interview on behalf of CBS, sitting at midcourt at the Boston Garden with, with those two. It's out there somewhere, you know. And he made it categorically clear that he <clears throat> never would have been the player that he became in the NBA if he hadn't played for Red, that Red appreciated what he had to offer and how to get the best out of him, that he could never have, no ways win 11 championships anywhere else, ever. He made that clear. And, and of course, you know, Red was eternally grateful. You know, he, he didn't win a championship until Russell showed up, you know, period. And he knew that and he appreciated it. Now, they, they, they had, a, and, and Russell wrote a book about, you know, friendship and Red and him. Uh, yeah, Russell was a subject with several books, fascinating, all worthwhile reading. But yeah, he and Red, absolutely. And he appreciated Red's, uh, uh, he appreciated Red's, posture about uh, the black uh, blacks going back to chuck cooper he didn't have to red didn't have to apologize for anything in in, in russell's eyes that russell believed that red was an equal opportunity you know friend and employer and red had experienced it with anti-semitism i mean that's oh, they, sure. they they had that bond like so, you know red could sit there and say kind of yeah. dude i've been there you know and that and i think that meant a lot i also oh, no, they, they 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 
there was a great, great companionship there. So, um, and real quick, Bob, because uh, we could go on for hours here. Um, the other part of, of Red that I love and how he handled Russell is, from what I understand, <laughs> Russell goes, I'm not practicing today. Red would go, fine. Russ would s- sit and read the paper. Red was notorious, not notorious, I said famous, for treating players individually. Right. He didn't treat them all alike. It was, this wasn't Vince Lombardi. <laughs> this wasn't Vince Lombardi, you know, okay? No, no. Russell got special treatment. And 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 Red approached Heinsohn differently than he approached Charmin, then he approached Cousy, then he approached Ramsey, and Russell got his deal. And when Russell, oh yeah, it was known. He wasn't going to overplay Russell back-to-back games or anything like that, then he was going to sit and practice. And when he was coach even, he was known for, you know, sit, a player coach. He was known for sitting there, reading the paper, and, you know, Wayne or Siggy or somebody else would, you know, run their drills. And, you know, they knew Russ would be there when he needed him. Yes, true. It's not a world that you can compre- comprehend today. All right? You can't. It's not, it doesn't exist, but it did. That's the way it worked. Bob, thanks for doing this tonight. Um, oh. Bill Russell, he's, I mean, just arguably the greatest player of all time. You can debate forever, whereas he and Jordan, I, you know, I'm not going LeBron. Some people may go LeBron. I'm not going LeBron. Um, but Russell's the greatest winner of all time. He was a great American. He was a great man. Uh, he was so much more than an athlete, which I know he wanted. That was important to him. And um, 88 years well lived. Let's think, I'll, I'll sell it this way. I don't want to get into the greatest player of all time. He's the greatest NBA figure of all time. Right. Yep. Agreed. Bob, you're going to be busy. Everybody (laughs) in the world's talking to you. Thank you, my friend. We'll see you soon. You got it.